to the show. Thanks for tuning in on this Good Friday, April the 10th, 2020. Welcome into the show. It is 9 a.m. on the East Coast. This is your 6 a.m. super early morning wake-up call out west. Thanks for watching. As always, we appreciate it. Hope you're doing well. We took the day off yesterday. Feeling better. Getting uh, back to, to normal and, and, and feeling like... Uh, we're up for the weekend. Hope, hopefully, you're staying safe, following uh, CDC guidelines, and uh, and doing okay. Uh, for all of you out there watching and listening, um, I, I appreciate it and and love the fact that we have people following the show. Um, and and one of the things that uh, that I was looking at last night in, in prepping for today's show is a rumor started flying around that there are rumblings. Uh, this is from at Glenn Crooks. Uh, there are rumblings in the soccer community that the U.S. Soccer Development Academy on the girls' and boys' side may be terminated. Announcement could come as early as tomorrow. Now, I've I've checked with, uh, with uh, sources who have not heard any of this. So, you know, I just want to state on the record, I have no idea. Um I don't have I don't have any, um, you know, leaning one way or the other. Um, you know, for the the people I've checked in with said they haven't heard any of this, so I don't know. Uh, it, it's interesting. Um, I don't like the Development Academy um, because I felt like it created more issues than it than it solved. Um, what I would prefer to see with the U S soccer development Academy is if it remained in place, uh, that it should have gone, uh, away from, uh, its current format and structure of gatekeepers and been open and available for everyone to join. And, uh, for the level to be, uh, based on sporting merit and, i.e. promotion and relegation and and you know that way you you were on a team playing you know that someone at an appropriate level um while trying to minimize and reduce the impact on travel uh i think that is a piece where uh it's not looked at enough um, the, the, the amount of travel the amount of money families are are expected to pay uh, to be able to facilitate their child's uh, soccer experience. And so I think this is a, um, you know, current format, not good enough. It's it's too insular to, to competition. Um, it's too sanitized. Uh, I, I, I've just not seen the Development Academy in its current construct actually create uh, world-class players. I think we've seen that. For a country this large, we should be putting out uh, a lot more uh, really, really good players with the potential to be world-class than what we see. And uh, and I think that the, the, the structure of the Academy system, uh, including... 
the financial ramifications as well as the gatekeeper aspect of it is has limited its ability to be successful and be as impactful in a positive way as it could have been. So I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen here, but uh, whatever happens, uh, we shall see. Um, you know, pe- pe- some some might worry that this could create, you know, more insularity for MLS, but you, you forget that Major League Soccer was recently granted, um, you know, basically higher status even within the DA system uh, recently, and that, that caused a lot of uproar, and that was a problem because it wasn't based on sporting merit. It was based on arbitrary gatekeeper decisions. Um, and, and so... I don't see it. I don't. I don't see the elimination of the development academy helping Major League Soccer. It, I think if if the DA system were to go away, and 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 again, we have no idea whether that is going to happen or not. But if we had a development academy system that that were to go away, and Major League Soccer had their own internal system, um, that very much seems like what Major League Soccer was already aiming for with their pressure on on U.S. soccer and influence to create anyway through the DA itself. So I, I don't I don't see it. I think what what needs to happen uh, is just like in the adult aspect, I think on, in the youth aspect, there needs to be one turn one one pyramid of leagues and they're all connected and they're connected through sporting merit and you let the teams play. And, and so a club may have a really good U15 squad and they may be playing in the highest division in their area. And then you may have, um, you know, a, a, a U13 squad that's, you know, at not quite as high. They may be in the second, third division in their area. Uh, let things play out the way they should play and, and let the let the players and the teams and the coaches themselves uh, find their own level. Um, and, and doing that, I think you can, uh, you would see American soccer improve a lot and, and keep, keep this in mind The the big issue here is that the way we are currently set up and, and operating in the youth space is, um, you, you're driving past teams to go play other teams and you never, you, you never face them. And, you're not necessarily playing in leagues. You're you're in a lot of places in the country. Most of your games are coming because of tournaments and you may do some league things, but, but tournaments have become this big cash cow for the organizers. And so that becomes this big priority. And, and that adds to the travel and the expense. We, we, we've gotten away from making this about what's best for development of the kids, of the players and, and not, the other way around and and so it's not to say that it's bad that you make a living operating in the youth soccer space whether as a coach or a club or uh, as a tournament director it's that when that becomes at the expense of development at the expense of participation and access at the expense of the player that's where i have a big problem and uh, and the development academy didn't fix that problem. It made the problem worse. It created more tension, more strife, more disagreements, more travel in many cases, more expenses in many cases. And uh, and, and 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 
the Federation is, is for too long has gotten caught up in in the uh, rat race of appearances. I I have a saying that I that I use uh, when I looking at you know organizations or people or whatever, and it's it's this fluff without stuff is not enough. And and what that simply means is is that you can dress it up any way you want to. If there's not a core. Uh, there, if there's not a core character, if there's not a core purpose, etc., there, then it that's not enough. You're going to be found out. You're going to be exposed eventually that that what you're doing isn't good enough, or that your organization isn't operated well enough. Whatever the case may be, it's it's underwhelming. Eventually, you will be found out, and and this I think is is the case. Um, is that that there's there's been too much uh, focus on the nicest uniforms and you know playing these these schedules that require travel that should be operate you know uh, operated uh, at a professional level um, in terms of of the players being professional players you know I. I I just think that we've gotten the cart before the horse about, you know, should we try to, to, you know, be proper and, 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 and do things? Well, yes. However, you know, the, the amount of money that we're putting into things is just, is just gotten bonkers crazy. And it's all in this effort to dress it up. Well, think that we're actually like doing it well because we look good. Um, you know, I've gone and watched matches uh, throughout Europe and and at the youth space, and I can't tell you the number of times that I see assistant referees are are just dads. They're extra players. They're um, you know volunteers. You may have the the center ref that's paid, but then the the, the, the two on the outside and holding up the flags are 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 volunteers. And in America, at the it, the youth level, we have these paid uh, referees all over the place. Expenses that you know, I mean that that can triple your referee budget for one match uh, by having paid ARs everywhere. But but they feel like they have to. Why? Because the people have paid so much money, so we feel like we have to give them a show. We have to dress it up. So maybe maybe we should get back to the priority. Like, how do we make it uh, a great developmental experience, a great experience for the player, a great experience for the families, and get the focus where it should be on the actual game? And then we we do get the things around it done well, but not at the expense of that. And I just think we've we've played we've put too much, way too much emphasis on the arbitrary things that don't really matter. Uh, in other news, um, I, as you know, I'm a big Barca fan, and if you're watching the show, you can tell. Um, I, I am not a fan of uh, President Bartomeu at uh, Barcelona. Um, I feel like he's gotten away from the club identity uh, that was uh, really uh, created and crafted under Cruyff, and, and then really built up and exploited uh under the uh, um 
exploited uh, uh, under Pep Guardiola and in in recent years is is eroded. Um, and uh, yesterday it was announced that two vice presidents and four other board members have resigned. Bartomeu is entering uh, his last uh, year at the helm, but um, I, I've just been very uh, unhappy with, with his leadership, and uh, leadership matters. We talk about it on the show all the time. Leadership matters, and, uh, and so there's, just, there's more turmoil there. Uh, anyone who's followed the club at all, closely at all, in the last few years knows that things have not been good. Um, and it is, it has continued, uh, to, to, con- to, to kind of just go off the rails. Um, and, and this is a situation where, uh, Bartomeu, who, um, who was elected, uh, who was reelected in 2015, um, has now seen seven vice presidents quit under his, under his leadership. Uh, the the guy is just not good for Barca. It's not good leadership, um, and uh, it it is indicative of cultural issues uh, at that at the board level. We've seen Messi speak up about it uh, quite a few times, and Messi's not one who likes to speak up about stuff. So you know if he's doing it, it it's a it's a real big problem, and it's something he feels like he has to address. And uh, in this case, um, you know, here we are again, more issues uh, regarding, um, you know, Barcelona, its board, etc. And and it gets us back to what we were just talking about with the U.S. Soccer Development Academy and the board and the leadership, uh, not knowing about some of these lawsuit things and, and others. Leadership matters. And uh, the Development Academy, making sure it's run for the best optimal uh, outcome for the country, which is player development. Uh, that's leadership. That's their job is to provide oversight. Uh, and, and so they, they've, got to, they've got to make sure that occurs, that happens. Um, you know, that's, that's a situation where, uh, you know, you have to see that um, leadership play out, and we just haven't seen it so far. Um, so it, 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 it is, it is curious to see. We'll see if, if Glenn Crooks's tweet, uh, comes out, just, it's just going to depend on, uh, some of that news and just kind of following where that goes. I don't know. Um, but, uh, that was an interesting rumor that broke last night. Again, my sources have not confirmed that rumor. So we'll see if anything comes of it. Uh, today or in the future but it was definitely uh, eye-catching uh speaking of eye-catching you should go to ducktickbrand.com d-u-k-t-i-g brand.com order yourself a notebook or a t-shirt get ready for the upcoming season it we will have soccer again and we will get through this uh, uh pandemic uh and eventually be back out on the fields and there's never been a better time than to do it um you know in today and use promo code DW show and you'll get 10% off of your order at ductickbrand.com DW show you'll get 10% off of your order we'll be right back after this
back into the show. Thanks for tuning in on this Good Friday, April the 10th. We are joined by a friend of the show and a friend of mine, Kefren Fuller. Kef, uh, welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm good, man. I'm good, man. Good to, good to get back on with you, man. How are you guys doing out there? You know what? We're, we're hanging in there. Um, you know, everybody in the family's good. Uh, we, we are, um, you know, trying to do as much of our, our social distancing and staying away from people as possible for the, uh, the, the introverts in my family. Uh, that, that's been a little bit more enjoyable than those of us in the family that are extroverts, but, uh, yeah, yeah. uh, we're getting through it. Um, you know, it's uh, it, it's just one of those things where we're having to kind of let the whole thing play out and and be patient and follow protocols and and hopefully, um, you know, we all get back um to to what we really like to do, which is to to get on the field and watch watch matches, etc. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, how are things on, on on your side of the pond over there in uh, uh in, in in the Netherlands? Uh, it's been, I mean, obviously I think around the world, we all know everyone's going through similar, uh, situations. So it's, it's been a little calm here, but you know, of course everyone's a little bit, um, just wondering, you know, obviously how to keep people safe and, and, you know, obviously practicing social distancing, but actually like uh, some of the stores, which I don't think are essential are open, you know, they got some clothing stores, um, uh, little baby shops, uh, some bakeries. I mean, they have rules in place, like only two or three people can be in the store, which I assume is going around the States as well. But it seems like Holland's kind of also wanting people to use their common sense as well. Um, they are kind of going around finding, finding people if they, if they're going over the, uh, you know, the, the, the what, four four persons or more type of thing. So they're they're kind of trying to police it that way. But everyone's been pretty uh, focused on social distancing and stuff here. I actually have to head out here when we're on the call. I have to go outside real quick. But you know, everyone's been kind of relaxed from what I see. So I I told the story um, of yeah. uh, my son coming back from Holland uh, on the show. Uh, uh, few weeks ago whenever all of that uh, went down uh, for for the the audience he he was over with your program uh in yes. uh, in Amsterdam and uh we had we had no intentions of bringing him home early uh we we were actually supposed to be there right now uh yeah, we, yeah, yeah, we, yeah. we were coming over uh for this week uh leading up to easter it was spring break for uh my younger son and, and my wife and uh who's a school teacher and 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 so we were just you know kind of having our um my wife and I were were out, actually out in California we were having a conversation about you know what we were observing in the news and yep. my wife was you know more concerned she's a mom right and so she's yep. like of course. what do you think and this and I, and I'm like you know hey it's fine everything is good and, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and so, uh, you know, when, when, uh, we were out there, we, we just decided to give him a call, uh, that Saturday and, um, he's like, everything's good. You know, 
you know, the, the team's still training, everything's fine, and we're like, okay, well, let's just check with Delta and let's just see what the options are. And he was like, okay, you know, I don't really want to come home early, but if you guys think I need to, that's, you know, the I understand kind of thing. That was kind of his viewpoint. Yeah. He, he didn't want to go anywhere. <laughs> and yeah, so of course. We, we were like, let's leave it up to Delta, right? I mean, let's just figure out, like, what, what the options are. Um, yep. and, and so as I told in that story, when Delta offered to, to fully refund our trip over and, and, and actually give us a partial refund on flying him home the very next day. So like in 12 hours from that phone call, he was on a plane coming back. We were just yep. like, Hey, I think this is what needs to happen. Uh, we don't know why, you know, and then, and then yeah, why are they allowing this to happen so quickly? Right, yeah. right. And so, you know, you and I were were were, were touching base uh, in in those days right after uh, when he was coming home, and and uh, you know, and I was like, I, I'm not really sure. We just felt like whatever. And then then when all all hell broke loose that week, and borders closing, and this happening, and then the club yeah, yeah. shut down, and the Netherlands shuts, you know football down for for like 30 days and all this he's like i, th- I think you made the right call and i'm, I'm like yeah, yeah we need yeah, to thank yeah. delta for making the right call <laughs> because <laughs> exactly my, yep. uh, he would have still been over there uh had it been me because i i just was like i think everything's okay i think you know we're gonna mm-hmm. you know and it just went crazy so um yeah. but uh, yeah. speaking of that um mm-hmm. and and everything kind of going crazy what what kind of impact has this had on what you do in over there in terms of uh, you know the connection in relation to uh, American clubs and American players so explain for the audience you know what what are some of the things that that you provide and how is how as um, th- those opportunities, how have those been affected, uh, right now with, with all of the, the pandemic crisis around the world? Yeah, it's, it's a real interesting time. I mean, um, yeah, so, you know, we, we essentially, we have, we obviously have our own club in, in, uh, in Amsterdam called Doga Fortis and, you know, we've been bringing players now to our residency program and also just bringing players to come showcase themselves. And it kind of, it, it changed things quickly. Everyone obviously had to go back home. So I was actually in Copenhagen at the time that me and you were talking about Jaden going because uh, I had a couple of players from the showcase in Copenhagen. So it, it ended up being a situation where, you know, looking at it, uh, yeah, it's just, it's put things on hold. But it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, um, the kind of what we've been looking to provide anyway is more of a pathway for players to try to get into professional soccer. So that's kind of our niche. It's not so much, I think, soccer tours, if you get what I mean. So people have, you know, people have kind of contacted me and say, hey, after all this stuff is gone, done, we still want to come over because, you know, they're trying to get opportunities. So I've had kind of those calls. Um, we had some very interesting things lined up for March. We had some uh, scouts from some big EPL clubs that were actually going to come in March uh, to check out what we were doing. We had some very talented players from DA clubs and, and MLS uh, MLS uh, uh, affiliated clubs as well that were going to come and kind of be scouted between the like 2004 and 2003 age groups. So it was uh, it kind of put that on hold, but at the same time, it just allows us to really just restructure uh, restructure everything that we're doing and say, okay, how is it going to work when, 
everything uh, opens up again, you know, in terms of the residency, the showcase, what can we do better? Um, how can we uh, formulate even tighter connections with certain clubs and whatnot? So for, for me, it's a, uh, and like for everyone, I mean, I, I don't think I'm in the, the worst position of anything, but I just think it's just now this is, let's just see how we can make the most of it, which I think a lot of people are in the same boat. Like how do you make the most of it and, and see how you can move forward? In terms of, of what you're seeing over in Europe, uh, in, 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 in the, um, you know, addressing the pandemic and, and the restrictions, et cetera, are, are they saying, you know, any kind of timelines for, um, you know, for the Netherlands, for example, in terms of, you know, lifting uh, restrictions or getting, you know, getting back to normal, basically. Have they been given yeah. any kind of guidelines and updates about, you know, when that might would take place and what that might look like when things kind of are, are, are getting back to normal? Yeah, I mean, April 28th is the new date they gave us, but I think that's just the date that they give us to say, okay, yeah, we're going to go another month type of thing, if you get what I mean. Um, they they haven't, I mean, what I what I'm kind of hear the sentiment that I get is maybe around June, July, I'm, like things will start to, to come back. I mean, the, the prime minister came and said that there's not a, look, it's going to be a long time before we get back to normal, but I think he meant just totally operating how we were before. I think they have, I think they'll start lifting restrictions and certain things, because they have been doing it. Like I said, the ice cream shop around us opened the other day. Um, certain small businesses are kind of operating still. Uh, if I'm being honest, like uh, our, our little FedEx Kinko's version, a uh, little mom and pop shop that's running, uh, tour stores are running. It, 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 you know, things have obviously have shut down, but I've seen now they're kind of managing it. And uh, again, I don't know if that's a, it's not for me to say whether or not it's the best way or not the best way, but I do see a lot of uh, small businesses still operating other than like the restaurants and kind of places where you would gather at cafes and stuff. Those are kind of shut down, of course. Uh, but things where, you know, if you want to go in the shop and get a shirt or I actually live above an athletic store, uh, where we live in, uh, in my, in my small town, uh, shock and, and they're, they've been open uh, pretty much throughout the whole pandemic. So yeah, <laughs> you know, it's been kind of just kind of hit and miss, uh, uh, with it, it hasn't been a total total shutdown in my opinion, but things have uh, you know, but people are obviously practicing social distancing and whatnot. But we just wait for the twenty eighth and uh, see what they say. So um, I wanted to. Um, I don't know if you saw this uh, late last night yeah. here in the states. Uh, there was a tweet okay. that that came out from Glenn Crooks okay. uh, saying that uh, as early as today there could be an announcement. Uh, that the U.S. Soccer Development Academy for the boys and girls were going to be terminated. Um, I I checked wow. with some sources. I have not had this rumor confirmed. Uh, oh, okay. So you know I don't I don't know uh, exactly what that would mean. If that means wow. terminated okay. for the season. If that means 
terminate it permanently. Um, you know, I have no idea. Uh, but I wanted to get your thoughts about inclusivity. Um, yeah. And, you know, before moving, uh, you know, full time to Holland, uh, you were based in the, you know, D.C. metro area and, and yes. you were running Joga uh, domestically stateside um, mm-hmm. a, as a club and developing players and uh, in, in trying to provide opportunities and pathways, um, you know, from this side of the pond. Um, what 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 have you seen? in your time uh, operating in, in the American soccer ecosystem, uh, what, what have you seen in, in regards to access and in, in regards to, you know, opportunities and, and inclusivity uh, for clubs, for players, etc. Yeah. So, so essentially when it comes to American soccer, yeah, you know, it's, um, that's essentially the biggest issue that the word that you said, inclusivity. It's a, you are, which I understand there's always a, a kind of barriers that you have to overcome. That's just everything in life and anything that you try to do. But the barriers that I think are witnessed in the States, um, slow down so much or, or stop so much ambition and essentially make like, like it, really, truly what's a unique soccer club in your area you know can you name it you know why is it unique why is it different what do they try to do different is anyone else trying to do anything different you know you, you i think when you see these programs you see oh okay um they're doing football we'll do football they're doing street soccer we'll do street soccer they're going to disney we'll go to disney um and it's not just it, it's 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 and, and listen i understand what competition you have competition they're doing it i gotta do it but it's it's more just um there's nothing really to differentiate. I've been in a long time. Differentiate. I think that's the word you're looking for. Yeah, there you go. Differentiate. Differentiate yourself from uh, other clubs or, 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 you know, what really sets you apart. Um, you, you can't build an identity. So that's, so that's the whole thing that one of the reasons I left because I think if you if you try to build an identity or something different, then you see it's it's not really inclusive. This is too many the barriers that they try to put in place. Uh like case in point, you know, I back in the day I was trying to talk to MLS about, you know, hey, is it a way I can build a, a pro club and be a part of what you know, uh what people are doing. You know, I know people might want to invest and do things like that. And uh you know, he came. You know, I came away from the talk with them, and it was like, you know, well, MLS clubs at that time, I think it was like four or five years ago, are going for 150, 200 million. You know, you have a nice story, but you know, maybe try USL type of thing. And um, yeah, I mean, it kind of, of course, that kind of puts you off. And then all my years of coming to Holland, you know, back in 2010, even when I had my first trip, you know, there's only, yeah, yeah, you could start your own club tomorrow if you wanted to, you know, you could, well, not necessarily tomorrow, but you can actually start the groundwork. And then next season, if you have this, this, and this, then you can apply and become your own club. And so, and then, you know, obviously you're in the league and if you keep winning, you can promote to become professional. Of course, there's going to be barriers when you get there too, but it was just way more welcoming compared to uh, what you were facing in the States. And then that just leads to our whole 
ecosystem and how every club, coach, player, uh, parent, uh, investors, everybody, that, that leads to how, how you operate and, and why you do certain things. You know, that's why we have a lack of uh, uh, a lack of world class players, you know, or, or considering how much money is being put in the game, uh, how many people are playing the game. Uh, it's, uh, you know, so the, a lot of potentials being missed. So I just saw it as, I just, I just saw it as, you know, for our vision and what we're trying to do, uh, we can never really attain that in the States, how it's currently constructed. There's just no, there's no way that we can do it. And so for us, it said, okay, it's better just to come over here and, and shoot our shot over here. You know, if you miss, you miss, but at least we have an opportunity to try to essentially, you know, go for it, you know, and, and, and the crazy thing is that you meet people here and they think the project's very interesting and, and they see, okay, well, let us know how you're doing with this. And, and there's more interest in investment and oh, we want to sponsor this or we want to do this in the States. I never really got that. You know what I mean? You're, <laughs> you know, I mean, what, what are you going to say? I have a youth club and, you know, it, it, people will talk to you about sponsorships if you have 5,000 kids or something. You know what I mean? Because it's really ju just a numbers game based off of that, and not 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 based off of uh, necessarily the quality that you can create and you can provide. So, yeah, man. I mean, I guess to go back to that inclusivity. It's it's you know you can't build something that you identify with that that you can um, uh, uh, that can compete at the highest level. Um, in my opinion, I mean, I think there's more, there's definitely more clubs coming from different, uh, different backgrounds probably than more before I assume, but still, you know, you're kind of on the outside looking in, like, how do you get into DA, you know, and, and going back to your saying like determination of DA, like, how do you get into DA? Who, who choose, like, why does this club get into DA and this club doesn't, uh, what, uh, what, you know, what are the, um, what are the parameters? What, what what's needed to do that? You know, and that that's something that that a lot of clubs and a lot of people should know. Um, you know, it's it's so it's, for me, it's like it's it's so exclusive that it just makes it made no sense to keep uh, pouring so much energy in the in the game stateside, uh, especially from a development standpoint. So our focus has been saying, okay, if we can't pour energy there then uh we're gonna try to do it over here so come here come get exposure come get developed come get scouted and go from there in in terms of development uh and and it the impact of inclusivity on development uh yes. you know a lot of times uh and i i was talking about this earlier in the show when i was discussing this rumor that broke yesterday uh, late last night about about the termination or possible termination of the u.s soccer development academy um yes. is is that in in my view the the focus in in youth soccer does not place as its primary focus uh, the development of players, and there are other ancillary, arbitrary uh, things that are a focus. You know, like like you mm -hmm. mentioned, the the quantity of players in your club, the um, you know the the stadium or or you know home grounds the the amount of money you have in the in the bank account uh, all yep. of these things that that have zero and i mean zero to do with player development um yeah. Yeah. you know 
so in when you look at inclusivity and it's in in the lack of inclusivity and its impact on player development when you were running stateside uh joga stateside you know you could have the the best squad at let's say u15 in the area um you know or u12 or whatever but it didn't mean anything yeah access was was not granted just because you were developing the best players it was like okay great we'll take it from here and mm-hmm. and and you were you know you had the realities because uh, this is something I think that a lot of people just d- aren't necessarily fully aware of the realities of these development academies, uh, major league soccer academies, but other development academies coming in and basically, you know, recruiting players over a certain age. You know, when it got into those U.S. Dev- uh, soccer development academy ages, they would basically mm-hmm. come in and say, "Okay, you know, hey, we'll take it from here, got you know, guys, come over here and play for the development academy," um, and mm-hmm. and and not being allowed in the, the, the not having the access as a club to that environment, uh, and not being inclusive in that way. Um, you know, as I understand it had a, had a very adverse effect on Mm -hmm. your ability to continue to develop and operate at older ages because of the fact that there wasn't inclusivity. Walk us through some of that, that you experienced kind of the last, you know, 12, 24 months that you were operating Joga proactively, actively here in the States in terms of this Mm -hmm. lack of inclusivity and the impact it had on you being able to retain players uh, that you were developing. And it wasn't necessarily they were leaving for greener pastures from a development standpoint, it was more about the pomp and circumstance and, and, you know, the, the, uh, kind of like, Hey, I want to be the cool kid and, 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 and have that, you know, DA badge that they're, they're telling me they can do more for me, uh, than, than a non DA experience. So for the audience, can you walk us through that? What you, what you experienced those 12, 24 months of, of the impact of not being inclusive. Yeah. So, the last so yeah, 12 to 24 months, we actually created a concept called Joga 30, where we were like, look, we only want to focus on the 30 players maximum between myself and my colleague, James Myers, and focus and say, hey, you, you want to focus on trying to become professional, putting yourself in the, the best position to become professional. We're going to train, you know, five, six days a week. Um, we have mixed age groups. You know, it's about... Uh, it's about really just helping them get opportunity and, and, and kind of showcase them and whatnot. And, you know, I, to be honest, I think the kids, uh, the kids are pretty dedicated to it, but we, right when our first year of doing that, that's when the DA was being created, uh, in terms of, uh, going to other clubs. And then I started to see a little bit more of just, okay, I think people are going to be interested in it. It's like, it's like the forbidden fruit thing. Like we got to taste it. You know what I mean? And I, I'm always, my thought is always like, get first, don't get, don't get caught, don't get caught sleeping, you know? And so I was like, you know, I'm not going to sleep on this and, and all of a sudden and have to deal with, have to convince people why they should stay in my program. I'm just saying, okay, if you want to taste it, then do that. Now, a lot of now, the, the uh, fair credit to them, a lot of them 
wanted to stay a part of what we were doing but also i just saw it as okay we got to let this thing run and let people see what it is because if they don't then you know they uh we always have that lingering around and so you know we kind of let them go and, and, and it was crazy i mean i think there was one club that took uh in one age group took like nine of the players i mean we had 30 but like nine of them either nine of them went into a the 03 age group immediately you know so that <laughs> that showed me i'm like okay you know and uh even from that club like we had one or two come from that club and they were like on the third or fourth team and by the time they finished with us and we trained them for a year they ended up making the da team so we were like so yeah i mean is it about development um no that isn't the focus but again the end the end you know, I, I put this on Twitter the, a couple of days ago. I said, what's our end, what's your end point? Why do you do something, right? Because you, you do something because you have an end point. And when you have an end point, that allows you to, t- that tells you what, what you have to do, and, well, why you have to do it. And then you figure out what you have to do to get there. We don't have an end point, you know? So when we were telling people about pro soccer at 9, 10, 11 years old, they think you're insane. But now these kids are older. And they start to see some of their peers who maybe made the national team, maybe gone over to Europe and do other things. Now, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, yeah, 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 this overseas thing. We, 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 we see what you're talking about. Well, we always had an endpoint, and we focused on the endpoint. And a lot of people are just focused on what team is my kid playing on? Does he let you know? And all those different things. And it, it's fine. It's just a different mindset. And so that's what I saw. With the DA coming, I said, mm, I still don't think people understand. I just think this is just another, like you said, another badge, something to say, this is the highest level. So you need to come in. And that's all it meant. And, and I think, and listen, I'm fine with our players being recruited. In fact, if your players aren't being recruited, you aren't doing a pretty good job. So your players should be getting recruited, scouting, people wanting to, to take them. That should, that's totally fine. Um, I just saw it as a way, the way I saw it, I said, this isn't, what's happening in the States just doesn't get my blood boiling. You know, it just doesn't, it doesn't get me like uh, out of bed and excited to, to, to coach. You know, me, me and James always talked about it. We said, what, imagine us doing this for 10 more years. Where will we be? You know, like, what will we, what will we be? You know, and, and listen, I, I totally understand. Like, it, it, it's, a, it's a dream job to be a, a soccer coach, I think. If, you, if you're done playing, it's a dream job. I mean, you, you get to stay in the sport that you love. Uh, and for many people in the States, and even myself included, it pays, it pays for all the bills. So I think it was, it was absolutely phenomenal. But at the same time, if you have ambition trying to go to a, another level, unfortunately, you can't fulfill that ambition. And you'll just end up, in my opinion, I, and this is from talking to other coaches, and having this a little bit, a little bit in a rut, because you're doing the same. It's like Groundhog Day. You're doing the same thing constantly over and over, and your endpoint, your, your, um, like how are you tracking your success? Like for me, for me, I was like with players that I have. If I reach you and we develop you, college is the minimum, you know, for you as a player, because we feel that that should be our standard. You know, so we, we didn't even speak on it on college soccer. Like, oh, we got to look at this school, this school. I mean, yeah, do your schoolwork, make sure you're education. But we always said, if you go if you go to school, it's education. Go to school for education. If you want to be a soccer player, you know, <laughs> you got to go overseas, you know, or 
even if you get a contract in the States, you got to, you know, you have to focus on uh, your football. So don't, don't try to, to me, I, did, I, did, I don't necessarily, I, I just told him from my experience with George Mason, you know, I played a year and a half of maybe even less than a year and a half, a year and four months of soccer or four years of competitive soccer because of the schedule. So, you know, it almost, I mean, it was a good experience, but really education is the number one, you know, so that makes sense. Um, but no, I just think, I just think like looking at it all, like with the people that we had in Joker 30 and just how things were going, I said, you know what, this, it makes sense to get overseas because we need to go to the next level too. Like we need to know these scouts. We need to know these sporting directors. We need to meet these agents. We need to figure out a way to get our kids from here over there. You know, so the only way you could do that is uh, more efficiently, in my opinion, is being over here. So, yeah, that's that's kind of what happened. And, yeah, I mean, with the D.A., I just the first year after the report of it, most of the players were disgruntled. They thought it was below par uh, from what we were doing. Um, that's all. I mean, and, you know, I told them to be different. And I also said it's, it's good that they would experience something different and not just always what I said or what James said, you know, so it's good. They also got that exposure. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they did say that they think the level is, wasn't as high, you know? And, um, but what was great from that, I think what, four or five players moved overseas out of that group the following year, you know? So they actually still, <laughs> stuck with the dream. They saw the DA, they stuck with the dream and said, Hey, we're going to go and check this out and, uh, and, you know, go overseas and try to make the most of ourselves. In, in terms of, um, you know, inclusivity, another area I wanted to ask you about is representation. Um, yeah. how important is it for, you know, kids of, of all backgrounds and, and all, uh, ethnicities to, to see it, you know, a, an example, uh, mm-hmm. someone that looks like them in terms of being involved in, in the programming, it might be a coach, it might be a referee. I mean, it, it does yeah. not, I'm not necessarily saying that every, uh, single person has to be X, Y, or Z, um, uh, nothing like rigid, but like how important is it that if you're, you know, a, a young, uh, player, uh, who's, who's yeah. not white and who's maybe not affluent, uh, but mm-hmm. loves the game and wants to play, uh, how important is it for you to show up to a club and you're like, oh, hey, well, that assistant coach or that referee or this volunteer, somebody around the club looks like me. H- how important mm-hmm. is that, uh, you know, in terms of inclusivity and, and how have you, uh, as part of that answer, compare and contrast what you've seen uh, in Europe and, and, and especially in Holland versus what you, what you would see, you know, in a typical uh, experience, youth soccer experience uh, in the States. Yeah. I mean, I think um, what's, what's interesting here is like, so I'll speak on Amsterdam. Uh, people do kind of, uh, which everywhere. I mean, they, they kind of, uh, you know, like our club, our club is about 
I want to say 80, 90% Moroccan. We have some Suriname kids. Uh, it's pretty, it's pretty much Moroccan and Suriname at the youth level. Then when you get into the other teams, the first team and some of the friendship teams, it's mixed everything. I mean, it's very important. I think it's very important for people to feel, like I said, representative. It makes them feel comfortable, of course, when they can relate. You know, a lot of people, you know, even when people say, I don't see color, I don't see those things. Like, no, it's it's okay to see that someone's a, a different culture or a different color. Because, like, in my opinion, I, I don't think you just wipe that away. Like, it doesn't mean necessarily that you have to treat anybody differently or with a lack of respect. But I think it's okay to notice you know what I mean? That someone's from a different culture or from a different background. And I think for a lot of, uh, let's say players in the States, um, there's times you can get into teams and you don't, you have nothing to relate to. Um, you know, you don't have that. Um, also because of how this, you know, how, how it kind of works in the States is, you know, your parents drop you off the training, they drop you back. Uh, they pick you up, they, they bring you back, uh, they bring you to the games. Everything's kind of planned around them. Uh, where I like at our club, me and James were talking about this the other day, 10, 11, 12 year olds are riding on their bike. You know, Jaden, who was with us this whole summer, uh, not in the summer, sorry, the, the, the spring, uh, you know, if you look at the showcase group, yeah, yeah, guys who were yeah, Puerto Rican, Brazil, uh, African, uh, African American, white American, all those different groups, you know, I think even Filipino. So they were all like different groups, but like they would also socialize together. They had to, they had to, you know, ride the bikes, uh, see what time they're going to eat, uh, just different things. And I think, I think here in, like what I see in Amsterdam is that the kids are a little bit more, um, they can kind of socialize for themselves uh, a little bit more. They kind of do things. Uh, they're a little bit more independent. So, you know, they kind of do things, they kind of do things on their own schedule. And so, um, you know, cause they have a bike and they have a little bit more freedom. So I think it's like, they're able to connect in a, in a different kind of way. So even if they joined a different club, like, you know, cause I, I'll see it as well. Like you'll see a Moroccan kid on a team that's all white, or you'll see a, like we have a kid, he's on our team. He's a, he's the only white kid there. And I remember James said, Hey, Mick, Mick, it's like, Mick doesn't care though. Like all his friends are Moroccan. You know what I mean? But, and we never see his parents. His parents never come up and talk to us and say, uh, you know, what kind of club is this? Are you going to do this? It's, it's, it's just more, what we see from the experience that we've had, it's just way more um, individual. They're, the kids are able to kind of frame who they are more like through their, through their own experiences. And then I think that allows them to kind of pick the teams and the people they want to be around. And, you know, some people are, of course, more comfortable just being around uh, people from their own culture. But then you also see the mix as well. So... Yeah, I mean that's that's the thing I kind of see. I think what I, I think in the states, I think if you're coming from, let's say, an immigrant background, and you join like one of these clubs, it's sometimes maybe harder to fit in because you're definitely going to have to include like the parents are going to have to include this this family to be a part of it and that type of thing. Um, and so that can be you know that could be challenging you know for some groups and and for some it it, it works well for some it doesn't. But, you know, that's just my observation from what I've seen. Yeah. And, and, and I've seen that as well. I mean, I, I, I think that, uh, you know, the, 
the big difference is when it comes to the inclusivity is is the conversations that are had um, as part of just the culture of the organization. You have a different um, you know perspective. Uh, a lot of people don't know what they don't know. They don't realize the impact of of this. I, I know when I used to run my own club that was similar in size to, to what you were doing with Joga 30, uh, we had, yeah. we had kids from every continent except Antarctica. Um, I think it was 10 countries, uh, yeah. in, in that, that squad of like 25 players. And, uh, but one of the things that was a, a, a conscious effort for me was that every single one of our coaches, and we were all volunteers uh, for, yep. for that club, every one of us, you know, like I was I was the only white guy. Then I had, you know, um, uh, a coach from Colombia, had a coach from uh, um, Uruguay who, who was an mm-hmm. assistant coach. Like, we, you know, and, and so – they helped, you know, build bridges and, and make connections yep. in communities that, um, you know, that we wanted to, to help and provide access and opportunity to uh, and for. Um, and so that was a conscious effort. Our conversations were different uh, because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we were we were looking for players on the outside uh, of the system. And we, you know, it, it was it was a, the, the dream at the time was to get to a place of what you were talking about where, you know, our standard is no less than college and whatever, but Mm -hmm. our, you know, our first year or two in when we were, when we were doing this, our, our whole goal was let's just get kids playing that, that don't Mm -hmm. have the opportunity right now. And, and so, um, you know, in that we saw, you know, the, the connection and, and what was, what was uh, kind of funny to me, and now, you know, at the time, I had never been to Europe. Uh, and so now, having gone to Europe so many times, seeing this stuff for myself, um, I feel like we created a little bit of European football culture uh, in that inside of that club. The DNA of that club mm-hmm. had, had, a, had a global perspective. And, mm-hmm. and I think it's why we had those players from all over the world who felt comfortable uh, as part of this, you know, uh, hodgepodge of, of kids from all over, um, mm-hmm. you know, coming together because their families, as well as our kids, um, you know, it was more of something they were used to from where they were from, uh, mm-hmm. rather than the homogenized, uh, setup that, that so many encounter. And I, and I think, you know, as, as I look at, uh, you know, the, the landscape of American youth soccer, that word inclusivity, um, you know, mm-hmm. opportunity access, all those things, representation, um, you know, it, it matters and it matters a lot more than I, than I think in America that we realize uh, in American mm-hmm. youth soccer. I, I just think that lack of, you know, an, uh, your ability to go into a community and build whatever club you want to build. And, mm-hmm. and, and people say, well, you can do that. No, you can't. 
you read mm. that you you describe today the barriers that you come up against um you know as you build you could you can start that way you can try to you know build an identity and you could you could purchase some land and you can do some stuff but eventually you're going to have you're going to hit that glass ceiling how do you break it how do you get around it that's been something that i think has been very tough for a lot of people to 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 work out and work through uh you know there you know there are certain Certainly some outliers out there that have tried to find success in different ways. And I, and I, I'm not saying it's impossible to, to do, but it, it, it's, as you pointed out, it's not welcomed by the U S soccer federation. That is not the, the posture, the mentality of the federation, uh, to do it that way. So, um, you know, look, uh, as you look into the future, best of luck, uh, with all this stuff going on, um, how yeah. can people connect with you, follow your work and, and, uh, if they want to know more about the, the club experience, the opportunities that are available in Europe, how, how can they connect with you to, to learn more about those as well? Yeah, I mean they can um can uh, connect with us at uh uh one of the email uh if you follow us on um Instagram or my Instagram is at Kevin Fuller. I'm uh I'm pretty active on there. But then also for the the club uh joga joga soc at gmail dot com. And um yeah, I mean if you look us up uh I guess I can also put the website www joga-ams.com uh for like joga amsterdam and so yeah i mean they can follow us there joga fortress i mean pretty sure if you put anything in google with joga you'll find uh you'll be able to find us and uh, check out what we're doing but yeah i mean we're just steadily building i mean i think we're we're just at the first uh we just put our shovel in the ground as they say you know so we're just starting to dig uh, build a foundation so we're definitely looking for players that are very very motivated they have to be uh very independently motivated i mean that's the one thing even with, with Jaden coming over I mean, he came over for the first the first residency party actually did by himself uh over with us and then uh when we had other players he came for the second portion you know he came uh, you know i think you we talked about it. he came back he was already independent but i think he came back even more independent but uh also just very motivated himself and so we're looking for players and 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 kids that are very motivated to to try to reach their goals no matter you know no matter how big you know to 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 develop themselves and yeah and we want to you know when they come on our trips or some things like that you know it's very focused we want you to focus on trying to become a professional and try to figure out what that means you know and and that's something that we try to help the players understand what that is and the biggest thing i focus on with american players is probably the independence part because you know so, you know football is football i mean you got to get in the environment catch up to the speed of play learn tactically you can, we can speak on those things all day which are big things but i also think it's just the independence and also being able to adjust to a different situation are two of the things that i think uh players really come away from in our in our program so yeah those are i guess those are some of the ways you can find us and 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 that's kind of uh yeah i guess what we're looking for over the next coming years 
Yeah, I mean, look, he uh you're right. He he came back more independent so much so that I had to remind him that I'm still dad and uh I'm the I'm the Mufasa in this house. Uh, yeah, 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 and yeah. uh and you're Simba. So, uh yeah, yeah. you know, just just remember, just remember, right? And uh Exactly. Exactly. He, and his retort was, "Well, you remember Mufasa died." And I was like, "Okay, all right, let's go." Uh, <laughs> uh but uh yeah, no, it's it's been good. It's been a great experience uh for him and and i and i think uh others get a lot would get a lot out of of experiencing uh different culture and, and different opportunities as well so kev thanks for joining the show we appreciate it uh, best of luck stay safe over there say hello to the you fam too, for us and uh yep. you know uh, like i said uh hopefully all this will get over uh sooner rather than later and we can we can somewhat get back to normal uh going yep. forward so uh, appreciate your time today Hey, you too, man. Hey, thank you again for having me on and, uh, and, and say and all the blessings to your family as well. Man. Thank you. That is Kefren Fuller. Uh, again, check him out on Instagram. You can check him out uh, at joga-ams.com as well and, um, and, and see what they have going on. Our sponsor this half hour is Charity Water. You can learn more about Charity Water at charitywater.org. They provide clean drinking water to people all over the world. And you can be a part of that story today by going to charitywater.org. We'll be right back after this. No one, no man, no woman, no child should ever have to drink green water with bugs, with algae, with disease in it. Bad water and a lack of toilets kills more people than all the wars in the world. We know how to bring clean drinking water right now to every single person on earth. And when you can bring water into communities, it truly transforms them. It changes everything. You could know that you'd made a difference. You could know that you had truly impacted the life of a family, of a community, of a region. There was either clean water or there wasn't. We believe in a world where every single person has clean and safe water to drink, and we will continue fighting until that happens. Thanks for watching the show. Thanks for tuning in today. We appreciate it as always. Hope you have a good Friday and a great Easter weekend. Uh, Wherever you are in the country, in the world, uh, stay safe. Uh, Listen to your local officials. Uh, Hopefully we can all get through this sooner rather than later. I appreciate Kefren joining the show. Um, It's always great to catch up with Kef. And uh, look, we'll keep monitoring uh, the situation with uh, the Development Academy and other aspects of U.S. soccer as we always do. Stay safe. Enjoy the weekend. We'll see everyone again on Monday.